Thank you for downloading this podcast from our Tabar Gathering 2018. For more information on Tabar, please visit tabar-network.com. We hope you enjoy listening to this teaching. I'm honoured tonight to have some good friends with me. I'm going to invite them up tonight. I'm going to invite Fanta, or well, his proper title is Bishop Ken. We all know him as uh, Fanta. I'm going to ask Fanta and Heather, Andy's here, Andy Smith, and David McClay, and Jasper, would you just come up and see if you can climb onto these stools? Well, they asked me to make a, a sort of a distraction, turn and talk to your neighbor or something while they're climbing onto the stool. <laughs> so, um, if it's like me, they're not, we're not blessed with long legs, so, um, but uh, it's lovely to have these guys with us tonight. <laughs> Fanta's racking. <laughs> Yours is back to front. <laughs> Somebody sort Fanta's chair right there. Because come and the, come get one of these other ones. Honestly, goodness, you couldn't let them know where she couldn't. Thank you so much. That's okay. I don't need. I don't. I don't. I don't need one anyway. Go ahead. You, you jump on there. Go on, Fanta, into the middle. Come on, put the put the youngest into the middle. Okay. Great. Um, as you know, tonight we've, we've branded the title Ireland's Call. Um, uh, let, me, let me just frame that a little bit and then we're going to interview these guys. Um, let me introduce them first. David McClay is a personal, well they're all personal friends of mine. David is the Archdeacon of Down and Dremore is the proper title, but he's also leader of New Wine and also the Rector of Willowfield. Willowfield, Belfast. Yeah. Heather is, um, is one of the ex-presidents of the Methodist Church. She's over missions now. She did lead up Edgehill College for some time as well. At this moment in time, she is the only ever female president of the Methodist Church. Um, no pressure, girls, but um, um, Fanta has done just about everything. Fanta was bishop down in Leitrim, am I right? And then you ran Sam. Kevin and Leitrim. Kevin and Leitrim. Russ Common, Longford. And then Jasper, Shadow. most of us know Jasper from Summer Madness days, but there's a bit of a different role has taken place. I'll let him tell you about that. And then Andy is the national vineyard leader, so he heads up Belfast Vineyard Church, but he's also the national leader um, of the vineyard movement in Ireland. So, um, and again, say all really good personal friends, which has been fun. Um, a few years ago in our prayer room, um, the map of Ireland that you're going to see on the floor, well, one of them, there's quite a few of them circulating, but there was a map of Ireland on the floor of our prayer room here. And one night in the middle of the night, I was one of those mad moments that you take like a 3 a.m. slot. And when, you, when your alarm goes, you wonder what on earth ever possessed me to do that. And, and, you, and you know you've committed, so you crawl out of bed and you come down. And um, you, you, you think, you, at, at 3 a.m. in the morning, I think nobody wants to be around me at 3 a.m. in the morning, not even Jesus. Um, but um, that, that particular night, the map was on the floor. And uh, after praying for a while and feeling that nothing was, was really happening, I lay down on top of the map and I lay on my face and I prostrated myself across the map of Ireland and I prayed a simple little prayer somebody once said be careful what you pray because you might just get it and, um, and I prayed a simple little prayer I, I prayed Lord can I live long enough that my heart gets big enough for what you want to do in Ireland Amen. can I live long enough that my heart can get big enough for what you want to do in Ireland I'm a local pastor. I, I've always, I've born and reared in this wee town. Um, this is my town, and uh, I've lived here. I haven't been the best traveler in the world. I love missions, and I love supporting, and I love sending. I've never been the best goer, and I, I, I love what happens locally, and I'm still a little bit like that. And so I thought, wow, God, what are you doing? You're starting to break my heart for a nation. And... Uh, Alan was involved in 24-7, has been nearly from its inception here over in Ireland. And so 
Al, with loads of others, was doing road trips around Ireland. And so I was getting inspired by him and his vision for Ireland as well. And, and sort of latching on to what was going on, even through 24-7, was quite beautiful. And then I came in this verse in Malachi, the very last verse of the Old Testament in Malachi 4, talks about a prophecy of one that would come. Um, we know it was John the Baptist. And it says that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. I noticed the order of that, that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And then um, I, I, I sped over 400 years and I got to Matthew and Mark and I couldn't really find much reference. And then I got to Luke 1, verse 17, and I found that Gabriel and the angel turned up in a, in a, in a church one day when, when Zachariah was trying to do his stuff. And, and said to him, you're going to give birth to a son and in your old age, and, and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. If it's the last, very last message of the Old Testament, and there's a 400-year gap, and then it's the very first message of the New Testament, God's trying to say something to us here today. And um, I sensed that... that that this was, this was our moment, that this was our moment as people who are getting older to father and to be the fathers and grandfathers that are needed. And so one of the things that I did back then a number of years ago, I contacted some of these lovely people, um, not putting Jasper in the grandfather bracket just yet, but, um, or Andy, but, but I, I, I contacted back then, um, it was Des Bain who was the head of the Methodist Church back then. I contacted Des, and I contacted David and Fanta, Harold Miller, many of you know, um, Ken Good from um, Derry, and, and, and a few others, uh, John Dickinson from Kermoney Presbyterian. And I said, guys, feel, feel there's something stirring about fathers and mothers. Could we meet? And they came. <laughs> and um, that's, I don't know how many years ago that is, and we developed a bit of a... a a father-mother sort of thing for our nation. We chatted, we prayed together, we, we, we laughed together, we did a few overnights together where we just felt a passion for the nation that just maybe God might turn up and we, would, we could help in some shape or form steward the next generation of leaders in this land. Um, as time went on, we felt it was really important to bring the age bracket down a bit and um, we invited some others in, which was great. And Andy and Jasper were part of that, Dave Dickinson and, and, and um, Andy Masters and some others. So it's been lovely just to see that the intergenerational thing working together. Uh, and I'll share a little bit more about this just before we worship. But that's sort of a bit of the, the bedrock of, of, of why the guys are here tonight, to answer Ireland's call. And these are people that, again, I have... Uh, a strong bond with. Um, we, we, we try to meet up as often as we can. They're relatively busy people. but um, and, and it's just lovely to see different Anglican, Methodists um, together, which is so lovely. And I should say thank you to Harold for allowing us to use your building today. We really appreciate um, your servant heart, Harold, up in the Methodists. Lovely to have Leslie with us today as well. So um, without further ado, I'm going to uh, ask these guys to speak because you came to hear them tonight, not to hear me, and then I'll share a little bit at the end before we get into worship. I'm going to start with the oldest. <laughs> Sorry to pick on you again, Father, but um, you do deserve it. It's David McClay, is that what you <laughs> So if, 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 you, if you know, if, if any of you know Fanta, he's one of those ardent evangelists. He's a person that seems to know everybody. And one of the overnights, whenever we were away, um, we came down for breakfast one morning. I was sitting beside Harold and, and Fanta's over talking to this couple in the corner. And I said to Harold, I said, Harold, Fanta knows everybody, doesn't he? And, and, and Harold just goes, Phil, Fanta met them two minutes ago. <laughs> so, uh, and, and then Harold's little line was, he says, Phil, Fanta could evangelize in a lift. <laughs> so, so I know that you are the sort of, I know you are the oldest amongst us, but I, th I think there's a, a Caleb spirit about you, which I love. I love meeting up no, with you. No, I'm not 84. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. um, 
I, I think in, in, in when, when we feel that you're one of these people that have a Caleb Sprout, we often think that you, you carry a good report. I've never heard you say anything bad. I've never heard you given a bad report. And, um, and I've loved that. That's one of the things I've loved about you. I think you're a real encouraging could you kick off just and tell us what you're sensing at the moment, what you're feeling, um, what, you're, what you're seeing around Ireland at the minute? Sure. Thanks, Phil. Well, I'm amazed you mentioned Caleb because actually he's one of my heroes. He really is. Mm-hmm. You know, at 84, Caleb was as strong and vigorous for the Lord as he had been decades before, and I love that. You know, he didn't get rusty, and uh, even though he was getting on in years, he was just so passionate for his God. Um, what I see going on, and obviously I can look back further than these young people around me, which is frightening. Uh, I was 69 last week or the week before it, so I'll go back quite a bit. I would say um, the Ireland of today is unrecognisable from even 20 years ago. We're in the midst of uh, massive, massive cultural change. Um, but I honestly believe, Phil, and I really mean this, despite all that is happening, um, I really have found personally and listening to others, there is a phenomenal openness in Ireland today, an absolutely phenomenal openness. I would say a greater openness than I personally have ever known in my whole life. And I mean, I could give lots of examples of that openness. Just a couple of, two weeks ago this week, I was involved in a leadership event in uh, Dublin in the Irish Bible Institute. And before we got the train back north in the afternoon, we went for a cup of coffee, Talbot Street, just near Connolly Street in Dublin. Uh, Ordered the coffees. Two cappuccinos came first at the counter. The girl who made them passed them over. And she had the most incredible hearts. There was one heart on top of one of the cappuccinos and a heart on top of the other, you know, in the froth. And I just said, my goodness, those hearts are incredible. How do you do that, you know? Like the country bumpkin here from Lurgan. And uh, she started talking. And then we were kind of talking. And then I hadn't realized there was another customer behind me in the queue. And clearly she'd been listening. And she then piped up to the girl who made the coffees, when you're doing mine, would you please make it a broken heart? And I turned to her, and it was a young African girl, and I looked her straight in the eye, and I said, honestly, is your heart really broken? And her eyes started to fill up. And I said, well, do you know something? This is extraordinary that we've met, because I have some really good news for you. Um, Broken hearts can be healed. Broken hearts can be restored. And, you know, there's opportunities like this honestly happening all the time. And I think that, you know, with all the change in Ireland, it's as if there's been a tin opener. Now, it hasn't been the kind of tin opener you and I would want. (laughs) But I really believe we're in days of incredible, unparalleled opportunity. Um, So many of the institutional monoliths have just broken down don't have credibility anymore. Now, that is the good news, but the bad news is people are open to anything. Mm. <laughs> and there is a, there's incredible confusion around. I mean, I remember talking to someone else not so long ago, and this person said, never met them before. Oh, I believe Jesus died on the cross for us. And I thought, oh, brilliant. I've met another Christian. And then she said, and I love my crystals, and they help me so much. And then she went on to talk about all sorts of other things. And I, I suddenly realized, you know, there I was thinking at the beginning, here's somebody just so loving Jesus, understands the cross. But actually, he, Jesus was just one of a whole variety of things that she had found in her life and was kind of using, and right. I meant using. So I think, you know, whilst we get excited about the openness and make the most of the opportunities, um, I think we, we need more than ever a gift of discernment as well. Yeah. Right. And I think just the final thing I'd say is, I think actually, truth to be told, The days we now live in in Ireland are much more like the days of the New Testament church Mm. and the kind of culture they lived in. And I think particularly of the church in Antioch, which is one of the churches I get so excited about because they were such a brilliant church. Um, But they, like the Antioch of that day and the Athens of that day, they were cities that were pagan. 
They were sex mad, they were money mad, they were pleasure mad, and then the church grows. Mm. People are converted. People start to get passionate about the kingdom of the good, the good news of Jesus, and church starts growing, and they send people out, and they teach people the faith, and they care for new believers, and mm. what a model church. And so I think, honestly, there are parallels between that and where we are in Ireland today. Brilliant. I'll come back to you in a wee minute or two, um, Ken. Uh, Heather, we're going to jump to you. Um, and, you know, I've had the pleasure of, of doing other bits and pieces with seminars, and we did something around Ireland not that long ago in Seymour Street um, Methodist Church, and just hearing your heart. Um, can you share a little bit about what's, what, what you're feeling in the Methodist movement? I know you have a massive, you, you live in Dublin, don't you? So I know you have a massive heart for the South as well. Can you tell us a wee bit about what you're sensing in the movement, even in the South at the minute? Surely. Um, I want to echo what Fanta said. I think that, I mean, the, the picture that came to my mind when, when, when you asked the question was of um, driving in the car, listening to the radio after the abortion referendum. And the, the guy who was talking on the radio um, said uh, something like, at last Ireland is shaking off uh, the shackles of being an island of saints and scholars. Wow. And my spirit just thought, no, actually, that's not the truth. Mm. <laughs> because, um, because God is at work. I have a friend who talks about tailgating the God of mission. Oh, and, brilliant. you know, God, God is at work. And the challenges that, that, that Ken has talked about are true, uh, but God's at work. So when I, when I look at Methodism, I, I think God has clearly spoken to us about, about being willing to move out. And I think that that, that is empty unless we're deep in relationship with Jesus yeah. but he's calling us to move out and to be uncomfortable with a faith that just says this is great for me mm. or even my bit of the family but actually get out there so uh, a couple of weeks no, oh, probably well four weeks ago now um, we had a gathering Tash was helping us with it Pete was over speaking and a young woman spoke to me that day who's part of one of the youngest Methodist churches on the island in a place called Mill Street uh, in County Cork and uh, that little community where she could have been sitting back and saying aren't we great we're just planted and we're beginning and she was saying you know I, I think that God has more for us and we're hungry yeah. to see them more and I think that that spirit is there and God's breathing that um, and, and that longing that he's putting in our hearts alongside that call to pray and, and Tash has been helping us with that and thank God for it that call to closeness that call to, to recognize that we're called to that and then to be really bold you know, to be bold as we go out, to trust God. So that's one of the pictures God's given us is uh, of a basket of bread that's overflowing and that boldness you've got. God's given it to us. Now go and rely on what God uh, is saying. And alongside all of that um, is a bit of wrestling and a bit of wrestling with what does it mean to be a, a church that, that has traditional roots that looks faithful to God in this generation. And honest wrestling with that uh, but we were just chatting beforehand while that's really hard sometimes in my spirit there's peace and there's joy because I think it's the wrestling that comes when God's breathing life Amen. and that that picture of the, the the valley of bones is one that God's brought us to as a denomination again and again and again and just driving down aware again that you know when 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 God breathes tendon to tendon and bone to bone, that is not comfortable. <laughs> and, but I think that's what God's doing. I think it's what he's doing. And that sense of, of my own prayer is that God would continue to breathe his life, that he'd continue to breathe his spirit. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. We'll come back to you again in a minute too, Heather. Andy, uh, as I say, is National Vineyard Leader for uh, Ireland. Um, and some good stuff's been happening in the vineyard movement. Andy, do you want to share a little bit about what God's been challenging you with and some new shaping? And Sure. Uh, uh, the, the Lord's really been speaking to us as a movement in Ireland, and um, we're kind of one big happy family, Ireland and the rest of the UK. Um, and my wife, Harmony, and I kind of sit on the top team there, and we've been thinking a lot and praying and really feeling like um, that we're to prepare ourselves 
for a real move of the Lord. And um, if you don't know me, um, my wife would sometimes look at me and say, are you, are you excited about whatever it happens to be? And whatever, whether it's something with our kids or church or whatever. And I'd, and I'd be like, yes. And she's like, well, you might want to tell your face. You know, one of those kind of things. So um, I wouldn't be the most, you know, charismatic, charismatic, if you know what I mean. Um, but even, and, and part of this is, you know, how I was brought up by my spiritual fathers and mothers is, look, the, the tomb's empty, we're ascent people, and, and like the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and believe the good news, so the tide is always in, let's go for it, whether, you know, the wind's feeling in our sails or not, you know, it's in, that's kind of how I approach things all the time, but even me, um, I'm, I'm really feeling like there's a move of God coming, um, and what I think I would like to share with you is that it's not just a bunch of vineyard people in a hotel room drinking too much coffee and thinking John Wimber's coming back or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's people from lots of other streams, from lots of other places saying, no, we, we think this too. And, and I know Phil, you and this house believe that too, that actually um, there's more coming. Amen. And um, so I, I just was praying for this and I just, I feel like it's going to be marked by a couple of things that I thought I would just share really quick with you. And one of the things that was interesting you're, you're saying, Phil, about kind of intergenerational, I think moves of God are often about releasing younger leaders, get, letting them go. And I think certainly God wants to do that. But I also really felt as I was in prayer that um, it'll be a dual thing, that there'll be some, like, so I'm 43, okay? And so I just felt like rather than, uh, I just feel like for, if you're older than me, I just feel like there's people in the room, I think there's people up here who've been contending for a long time. And maybe have felt like my job was to fight hard and then someone else will see what I fought for. But I actually think with, with what God wants to do is, is that you'll see satisfaction in Come your on. day yeah. as well. That's so I think, that, I think it's going to be marked by that. I think it's going to be marked by unlikely partnerships. You know, I would have to confess that in my younger days of leading, you know, it was, you know I was pretty tribal. And I'm really sorry about that. If, you know, we, the vineyard is stuck to its own tribe. And, and if you felt that off of us, I'm sorry. The older you get, the wiser you get, hopefully. And I just feel like what God wants to do is going to be marked by unlikely partnerships. Wow. It's going to be relational rather than, you know, my tribe, your tribe, and, and working together. I also think it's going to be marked by uh, radical risk, reconciliation, and service to the poor. I think... You know, Ken and Heather have been alluding to it's, it's complicated times, times of great pressure. My sense in prayer was it's actually, you know, Elijah, uh, when he's, he is facing off against the prophets of Baal, right? And it's, he pours the water on a sacrifice. It gets harder. It's like a, it's the water, the pressure is the water on a sacrifice, and it just means better miracles. Mm. And I think that's when we look at pressure, we can either be afraid or we can reach for more from God. And we just have to increase our faith, and I think it's there. So those will be some of the things I'm, I'm thinking through, praying through, and I felt like for yeah. us. So, Brendan, it's important, to, you know, what, what we're, all the interviews, we're going to pray later on. We're going to, we've, we've given some space to worship and pray. So we'd really love to pray into some of this stuff. So it'd be good to keep it in your mind. David, we're going to jump to you. Um, keeping the youngest out of the last. Um, we're going to jump to you, leader of the New Wine a movement, obviously, and as part of an established network of churches, you know, you're experiencing a new thing, um, and some amazing things have been happening down there. I've had the honor and privilege to be down there regular in the, at the New Wine Conference, as many of you had, and, and David not miss his opportunity to give that a wee plug as well. <laughs> so, up and coming. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, how do you feel, you know, if, if we're going to see new wine, we obviously need a new wine skin to hold it. Um, how, can you talk us through that a little bit, what you're experiencing in that at the moment? Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think the thing that really has struck me in a fresh way this last number of months, again, is our, our, our need to be really committed to the gospel. I've just read a, a book by R.T. Kendall, Whatever Happened to the Gospel?, and I think if we keep coming back to the the story of what Jesus has done, who 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 Jesus is, what he's done, how to lead people to Christ, I sat next to a, a guy the other evening uh, at my dad's 90th birthday party who who was invited 
whose son went to a mission that was being run by a little brethren assembly. Uh, and his son gave his life to the Lord, insisted the next night that his dad would go with him, and his dad gave his life to the Lord. The dad insisted that he would take his wife the next night, and his wife give her life to the Lord. And the next night they took the other two sons, and they gave their lives to Christ. Come on. Uh, <clears throat> but, 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 but here's the thing that really struck me in that. It was a simple gospel message. And they're now part of the local... Um, Methodist Church in the, in, in the village of Ballantra. And, and there's something just about us, you know, not being sidetracked by other stuff. That's maybe important stuff and good stuff, but actually keeping the main thing, uh, the main thing. And where, where that's happening, then lives are being changed. You know, a conversation with a guy in Cork who's coming to New Wine in a few weeks' time and who's going to be taking a, a group of folks from the church that he's part of to a neighboring village of Balancholic to plant a new congregation there. And without doubt, people will come to Christ there. Uh, another guy who uh, took over a very traditional Church of Ireland church in Rothmines uh, and who is seeing uh, lives being changed and people giving their lives to Christ. And that's been multiplied up and down the island of Ireland. I think what we need are our resource churches that, um, that can enable that to happen, that will give people away, that will give good people away. Uh, I think what we need is to keep preaching the gospel and actually reminding our people what the gospel is so that we can all share the gospel. It's interesting that we're hearing stories already just of people coming to Christ who have been told the story of Jesus. Uh, and, and I think in terms of, of, of new wine, uh, it, it is about creating new wineskins. It's about new church plants. It's about new congregations while, while really blessing the, the old thing, actually not trying to, to maybe work too hard at mixing the two, but actually allow, allowing the two to, to sit alongside each other in a really healthy sort of way where they can bless and, and encourage each other. I uh, hope that's... Yeah, and uh, yeah, the plug, the, pl the plug. Uh, New Wine Ireland uh, Summer Conference. There's, there's about 1,050 people booked at the moment uh, and loads more space. We, we'd love you to come. Uh, it, it's open not just to Anglicans but to everybody and anybody. More kids than ever before actually booked at this point. And, um, yeah, just go on and book. We'd love you to be part of it. Thank you. And it, is, it is an amazing experience. You know, the guys do a phenomenal job and their kids ministering all down there is really good. Jasper, um, Jasper's been a good friend of ours here and Emmanuel and of mine personally as well. And it's just been lovely to see. Every, every time I, I chat to Jasper or we're in a room together, you know, there's a little bit of a... A heart in you for the. I always feel like there's a heart for the underdog. There's almost like the. You know, I often hear you t talk about the people who aren't in the room from more than the people who are in the room, and I love that about you. It is. It seems to be a passion. You've took a wee bit of a career shift lately. I think out of that heart. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and your heart for the south? Um. Yeah. The underdog, um, I always try and champion. That, that is good. You said a little thing at the start about the father's hearts to the children. But you also say a little thing, Phil, that the fathers are never jealous of the children. And um, I think in this room, everyone's saying I'm the youngest. I'm not that much younger than Andy. Uh, but actually, these guys aren't jealous of younger people who are trying to do things. And that's so important if you're here and you're older uh, and you see young people having a go and never be jealous. A good father is never jealous of the children. I remember Phil saying that once. Um, uh, in terms of my heart uh, for, uh, yes, I've got a heart for the South, but I've got a heart for the North as well. I've got a heart for Ireland. And it came not as a Christian. It came growing up in a loyalist community um, as a young person. And I was asked in the back of the car to join a youth club. And uh, that youth club was not a normal youth club. Uh, I, was in, I was in lots of youth clubs. We hung out in churches. We hung out in uh, schools. This youth club, uh, we hung around the shops and we drove the older people's cars. That's how they groomed us. Um, 
Ford Escort XR3i was the car of the day. I got to drive that around the state at 14. I loved that. But in the back of this car one day, they said to me, do you want to join a youth club? And, and I said, what do we do? And they said, you can drive these cars and all that. I was like, yeah, should we do that? And I'll join. And then they said, well, you can't talk to Catholics. You can't associate with Catholics. In fact, you have to hate the Catholics. There was one Catholic family in my estate, and he was my best friend. And something inside me broke. And I wasn't a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until I was 23. Wow. I was like 14 at this time. But I knew it was wrong. And um, I knew there was something just completely wrong with that thinking. Wow. Um, and that grew in me even, I don't know it was God even back then, because I went home that night and I hugged my brother for the first time. He had became a Christian. For you, for you. We shared a double bed. That's the embarrassing story. Uh, 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 we lived in a council estate. Instead of throwing all our stuff in the middle of the floor, we said, let's get a double bed. At least we'll have a mess on their own sides. So we did that, but he was asleep. Um, I spooned him uh, uh, as, as, without, him, without him waking up, and I hugged him, and I, and I prayed that his God be my God. And... Um, Something off the heart of peace and reconciliation, and, and, and Andy mentioned it, is that I am naive enough to believe that this church is God's church, yeah. no matter what stream, yeah. no matter what brand, um, that God loves his church. Yeah. And in our Protestant culture, um, we don't think the Catholic church is his. We really don't. And if we're to work in Ireland, and if we're to work in Europe, and I think there's more bubbling up in Ireland, I see it in Europe with my new role as well. There's this bubbling up, this uprising, uh, this stirring of, of something from within the traditional of asking more of what has been before. And, and I think if we don't build those bridges and join up those dots and help connect them for the next generation, who will? Because we haven't done it for so long. Mm. And there's been people doing it, and I just think we should do it more together. And so there is something of, of, of doing this together and 24-7 of this little picture of the circuit board and joining up the dots. But we need to go to join up those dots. And so the last couple of years I have been driving around the country, Ireland, and falling in love with Ireland and praying and going to ones and twos like five hours away. That's, I love all that stuff and going to the bigger things. That's great. But, uh, and if I was to try to uh, sum up as I pray and, and drive about and meet people, I am really excited about the bubbling up of what God is doing, but I'm also heartbroken. Um, mostly for young people. Because they mistrust the motives of God. So if the, enemy was, if the enemy was to do anything, it was to make us mistrust the good motives of God. And the young people of Ireland mistrust God's motives. They don't see him as good and generous and kind and forgiving and gracious. They mistrust his motives that the church has portrayed. So this mistrust of God is out there in our younger generation where, they, where they've seen the, the hypocritical stuff and so they mistrust Jesus. And so how do we regain some of that trust yeah. and I think we do it together and we believe that um, uh, that God can bring um, rivers of life and dry ground and we believe that he can do this stuff we pray for and we're, we still do it with expectancy. For young people uh, and there, I see wonderful little pockets of things and um, we did a big bit of research uh, we paid a lot of money to ask young people what they think about faith. I was actually going to ask you about that. Know yeah, from so, that. Can you tell us a wee bit about that? Yeah, so Finding Faith in Ireland, it's called. It's out there with Al's and Pete's books. They're much better than this. This is research. Uh, uh, so really we wanted to ask, as in ministry, we all think we know what's going on. We, you know, as a youth worker, I think I know what young people are thinking. But actually so often we don't ask them. So we spent a lot of money asking young people what they think about God and what they think about faith. Not Christian young people, the normal young person, 14 to 25-year-old in Ireland. And this represents them in terms of all the stats. We spent $150,000 on it. It's a lot of money to listen well, to really hear what young people are saying, and then we give it to a gift to the church to say, across, the nation, across Republic of Ireland. I didn't Republic of Ireland on purpose, so it's Republic of Ireland, but very... Uh, we, we get on our high horse in Northern Ireland. There's, there's very similar things in here that 
that young people would be saying about their faith and their journeys and the church. So the perception of the Irish young person in Ireland about the church, and this is where we get those perceptions from those people outside the church, which we need to listen to. So their perceptions are this, that church and Christianity is not good for Ireland. For Ireland. Mm. That actually Christians are not good for the world. Um, uh, that we're judgmental, homophobic, all those kind of things. Um, uh, those inside the church, we have a much better opinion of ourselves. But how do we bridge that gap of, the, of young people mistrusting the good motives of God because they've had so much negativity? And I think we do that by going for it and trusting that God will reveal his goodness and not being afraid of that. And so where we see those good things, speaking well of them and blessing them and encouraging them. But this, uh, I expect God to do big things. Yeah. And I trust that he will. And so we have to um, spend our lives trying to do that. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's, 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 it's encouraging, isn't it? And it's challenging. There's much to do. And um, yeah, you know, as we pray later on, there's much to pray for as well. Andy, can we jump back to you a minute or two from an American perspective? I know you're sort of an adopted Irishman now. You've been here a while. And um, we've sort of adopted you as an Irish brother. But can you sort of, from speaking from another culture into ours, how do you feel what our contribution is to the nation? Is there something you could... Sure, I have, I have a couple of things. Um, uh, let's see, I've been here uh, for nearly 18 years now. So I just don't even know where I'm from anymore. Um, <laughs> we, have become, we have become citizens here, children have been born here, they're from here. Um, so this, this is definitely home, but, um, a, cu a couple of things. I, I think Pete said some things in his second session about what's here, uh, that where I would completely agree with, and I won't re just go over the ground he did so well. One thing that, uh, uh recently a guy called Mark Sayers was in Northern Ireland, um, a mm. uh, powerful thinker and pastor and leader from, Melbourne and Australia, and uh, he challenged a group of leaders um, to think about stuff that we discount about ourselves might be our greatest strength in this time. And uh, that caused me to really think, I've been thinking about it ever since. And, one of, and just a couple of things leap to mind about, about what I see. And the first would be an ability to carry complexity. I don't, I don't know what you guys think about where, where we live, but it is incredibly complex. Each bank issues its own money. It's just a dip your toe into the complexity of this place, right? And then, you know, you probably have had the experience of welcoming people who are not from here to here and giving them a tour of the place and they're asking loads of questions and it's just like, well, it's like this except when it's not. And this group, you know, it's, you know the complexities. And we can look at the legacy of what's happened here and there are vastly negative things. One of the interesting things is we are people who are used to carrying complexity. And the world, I think, Fanta, you said it earlier, the world is changing. It's changing quickly. It is growing ever more complex, and there is huge anxiety in lots of different systems. This place is unrecognizable. The America I left doesn't exist anymore. It has gone bonkers, as you all can probably attest. But I think that we have something. We have the ability to move on with patient resilience and hope Brilliant. in the midst of very complex and stressful times. Mm. And there's some things that need to be healed about that, but then there's like up from the legacy of the last 40 years, but there's some things that we possess that are vital for this time. Brilliant. And I think that that is hugely important. Um, the other thing I would say that I often have personally been frustrated with and I've heard other people be really frustrated, especially leaders, is that things move really slow. And that can be really frustrating, but I actually think in these times it is a powerful weapon. Because moving slow can be you know, inaction and laziness, but it also can be reflection and seeking wisdom. It can be discerning the times. It can be things like Sabbath and carrying peace and rest mm. into the communities that are actually in chaos and can't stop. And I, I, think, I think those would be two things, Brilliant. I would say, Phil, that um, I would say be encouraged and carry those things where you are and where you're going. 
Brilliant. Can I ask David and Heather and Fanta to do some famous last words just before we pray, just a, a minute or two each? Ooh, that's a challenge. Right, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, around Ireland, of course, <laughs> what we're going to Ireland. pray for. I mean, I think one of the uh, real blessings of Ireland Fiddle today is God has brought people to this small island from literally all over the world. Mm. Uh, I mean, a few years ago, I was involved in an event in Dublin, started at 8 o'clock on a Friday night, finished at 4 o'clock on Saturday morning. Uh, it was organized by the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Do you know how many people were there? 15,000. And I was one of a handful of white faces. I thought, this is Ireland in the 21st century. Couldn't believe it. Mm. Um, so God is bringing people, I mean, our tradition in the church is God has called people from here to go all over the world. People from this island have been used by God, but now it's too, very much two-way traffic. Yeah. And I think we rejoice at that. I think secondly, we need as part of this move of the Spirit of God, when the, when the Holy Spirit moves, there is profound repentance. Mm. And um, Andy mentioned John Wimber earlier. One of the most significant gatherings of Christians I was ever at was a Wimber conference in London many years ago, and it was for leaders. There were several thousand leaders there. I phoned my wife that night in Ireland and said, Helen, I have never seen anything like this in my life. The Holy Spirit just came and leaders were lying on the ground, sitting, bawling their eyes out, repenting of sins, some of which I'd never heard of, <laughs> honestly. And I phoned my wife Helen and said, Helen, if this is the state of leadership in the United Kingdom, it's no wonder the church is the way it is. And I think, you know, be prepared, folks. Mm. As the Holy Spirit moves, there's going to be a massive cleansing wow. of the church. Brilliant. And that'll take courage. And could I just finish with one quote? Yes, of course Just you listen to, to these words. Um, here's vision for you and a passion for the Holy Spirit. I assure you, Christ will take possession of Ireland. And not just of a wee nook, or uh, just not of a wee nook of it in the north part, as formerly, but Christ will have Ireland from sea to sea. Brilliant. Amen. Come on. When were those when were those words spoken? They were preached by Michael Bruce, a Presbyterian minister in Kalinchi, in the year 1689. Wow, come on. One year before a year everybody in Northern Ireland has heard about. We want to hear what Michael Bruce said in 1989 for, in 1689. Amen. And see Christ taking hold of Ireland from sea to sea. Brilliant. Amen. Heather. Um, amen. I think then the, the piece that, that comes to the forefront for me is that, um, well, do you know something? It's dead easy to say amen mm -hmm. and to allow our hearts to be stirred by God's spirit and to let it stop there. And I think actually what God's calling out in his church are people who in the power and strength of the spirit will go further than saying amen mm -hmm. and will allow his spirit to work deep in our lives so that we are committed to being Christians in our work and in our homes and at the school gate and who actually live it. Amen. And I think we have such a tradition, north and south, such a tradition of Christianity in this island. We've got to live it. We've got to live it. And I think that's what God's calling out. And Amen. I think he's enabling that. That's His spirit enables that. But we've got, got to allow that to go deep in us and to do it together. We've all said that. We've got to do that um, together. Because Amen. how will they know we're Christians? Brilliant. David. I'm so with Jasper and what he was saying earlier in terms of reaching to, towards uh, uh, and working with our, our Roman Catholic friends. But there's another group of people that I, I think that we don't reach towards either. Uh, we're probably most of us in this room from a sort of a charismatic sort of world, a Holy Spirit type world. We probably loved the worship earlier. We were probably up for ministry later. Uh, that's who we are, and that's great. But actually, the Lord has been really speaking to me about reaching towards those and working with and being vulnerable before uh, those who are from a more reformed sort of place and um, being willing to say sorry for some of the pride and the wrong attitudes that we've maybe 
held as charismatic people uh, towards brothers and sisters who are um, a more. I can't think of another way of the, of, the, of saying it. Only labels don't work, but a more reformed type of uh, background. Um, I, I believe. Uh, I believe passionately that of the world of those who are really committed to the word and those who are really committed to the work of the Holy Spirit come together, really come together in humility and in brokenness and in repentance, then we will then see a move of God in Ireland. But it's not just going to happen without us being on our faces before God. Uh, I really do believe that. Great. Um, can you stay there a wee minute? Just stay. Um, can the guys come with the band? Come back up again, please. Um, just to, to, to sum up, and then we're going to go into a time of worship and prayer together. You know, legacy, as you can hear from these guys, is desperately important. Legacy is desperately important. And um, we haven't had too many wonderful models of it in, in, in our own wee country in the past either. And um, even in Scripture, there are some really good models of it, and then there's some um, not-so-good ones. And there's something about inter intergenerational leading. There's something about leading together. And I love what Andy said. It's not that we're putting all the old people to sleep early. We're, it's that, you know, it's, there, there is something about working together. And I love the fact that I, I'm honored and privileged in this church to work um, with, with people who are half my age. And I love that. I, love, I do, I hope that wasn't me. Um, I, I do struggle to keep up with them sometimes, but that's okay. They seem to give me grace. But I was thinking about this during the week. You know, you, you, you never think about Joshua without thinking about Moses. You never think about Ruth without thinking about Naomi. You never think about Timothy without thinking about Paul. And you never think about Elisha without thinking about Elijah. And, and their ministries, and there's loads more, because they, they, they learned the art of intergenerational ministry. And there's something so amazing about that. And about three weeks ago, I was going out to visit out to, with, with Roger Ellis to, 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 to see our pioneer friends in, in England. And I was sitting in the um, city airport and um, having my Starbucks just before I boarded. And one of the things that, that you know the city airport over the years, the city airport has fought for years to get a longer runway, longer runways, a better airport, more international flights. The problem is it's in a very domesticated, built-up area, and so it's con continually been a fight. Um, and they've never won that fight because it's never been able to grow. It's kind of pot-bound. And... Um, and I began to feel the Lord really speaking to me about the difference between the city airport and the international airport. This is going to sound really weird and wacky, um, but these guys are used to that, aren't you? Um, but it's going to sound a wee bit weird and wacky, but I, I, felt, I felt like the Lord said, I never want you to become the city airport. I want you to be an international airport. And I thought, okay, God, you need to explain that to me. And, um, and I felt like how sometimes as we get older, we can get a little bit content. And we can just get a little bit, let's stay at the city airport. Let's just stay with the wee short runways and do what we feel we can and go to bed early and drink our Horlicks or hot chocolate or whatever we do, <laughs> put our bed socks on or whatever you do. At that. You know, I, 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 made a, I, made a, a, I made a decision years ago that if I lived to 105, I'm going to die young. And so, <laughs> and so there's, something about, there's something about staying youthful in your spirit and, and, and living together and being an international airport. And here's what I felt the Lord said to me, as, 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 as we get older, as we get older, if, if, if our job as older people is to be better runways and better airports, that we can send more, that we can receive more, that we can, have, we can, we can send people all over, that, that we just be the best runway that we can be. Amen. Imagine, imagine growing old and being the best runway that you send the best off that you send them the furthest that they've ever went, that you, and you receive them from the far corners of the earth because the world is a bit of a global village. And there's something on our hearts right now for the nation. But you know what? I'm, I'm just one of those people who's silly enough to believe that, that, that we could influence the world. Yeah. We could influence the world. Amen. And, 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 and I think tonight what I'd love us to do is we pray together. We just, 
that there's something in our hearts. And so I've asked the guys to stay here because what I'd love to do, if you class yourself in an older generation, now I'm going to leave that to your own. <laughs> you know, do you know that bit when you're filling in a form and it goes between, you know, 20 to 30 and then 30 to 40 and then it goes to 50 and it goes just 50 plus. <laughs> or else it's 60 plus. I'm heading into that bracket now. But it's, if you're in the plus bracket, there's a good way to put it. If you're in the plus bracket and you sense tonight that you'd just love to be a better runway, that you'd love to be the best airport that you could be for this next generation, that we could, we could run with them because that's what we're called to do. Not just to sing come by and let them all go do the biz. Let's do it with them. Let's, let's hold their hands and... and, 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 and Put wind in their sails and, and right, I better stop. Um, but we're going to worship. Davy, lead us. And, and what I'd love us to do, let's stand together. Let's stand. And if you're sensing that, if you're in that bracket and you're sensing that tonight, it might be good just to come and stand in Ireland. If you're feeling a call for the nation, the guys are putting the map out. It might be good just to come and stand around the map and say, I want to, I want to give the next years, whatever I have, whatever, if it's 10 or 20 or whatever it is, I want to give my very best. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep doing this till Jesus returns or the Lord calls me home. So Father, I just pray tonight. Thank you for the guys who have shared. Thank you for the camaraderie and friendship that we have um, had over the past years. And Lord, I pray for them. Lord, I pray for, for Andy and for Jasper and Prayer for Fanta and for Heather and for David, Lord. Just thank you for the ministries they've had. Thank you for the pace that they've run at, Lord. Thank you that they, they haven't slowed up, Lord. They're, they're models of this, Father. And Lord, we just we see them as examples of the faith. And tonight we honor them and we, as we honor all of our friends tonight. So God, just, just come right now as we worship in this place. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your boldness in Jesus' mighty name and everybody said amen if you would like to move and you're in that bracket then come stand on the maps around the maps and let's let's see what god does tonight the ball gathering 20